Welcome back to another episode of Englishman in New York. William Hamnett, how you doing, mate? I'm very good, mate. Um, New York is hot. We're in the midst of the summer. All's well, my end. Less about me, though, and more about what a fantastic guest we just had on. I think our best episode yet, if I'm honest. I think so. Not to do a disservice to the nine people that have preceded it, but I mean, it had everything that I personally look for in a podcast episode we record which is mainly just the celebrity anecdotes you had an amazing celebrity anecdote which i wasn't expecting about forrest gump which i never heard you ever talk about which is bizarre it's my best story i think and no one believes it it's so bizarre no one believes it um but it did happen and my mother can testify if you ever meet her well okay well i should be so lucky but um marcy kilgore for those that don't know her but i'm sure like even if you haven't heard the name you'll have come across one of her businesses or products she um grew up in small town canada in saskatchewan on a farm which she said was similar to the russian steppe i mean it really is like the arse end of nowhere went on to to move to new york founded an incredible um force of nature in the spa world is that the right way of saying it called bliss yeah and then ended up founding a series of extremely successful businesses which she exited to the likes of lvmh walgreens boots alliance um and yeah she she gave us the lowdown on on the latest venture which is beauty pie so some of those companies every well everyone will recognize at least one of them soap and glory fit flop soap duper and as will says the, the most recent one is beauty pie and so we'll delve into all of that um and on top of that she was a really joyful and entertaining and lovely human being and on top of that she also used to be a bodybuilder i mean it, i mean it was just like didn't expect that yeah just like one of the most bizarre but fantastic chats i've ever had with a human being um and all you know remotely from the south of france which we should have spent more time nick trying to get an invite there but you know next time for sure next time, next time. i'm serious move to a new city we're moving to new york okay i should probably buy a place in the city first you're here for business or pleasure hopefully both Okay. Uh, welcome back to Why the podcast you... and welcome, <laughs> Marcia. Oh, it's it's already chaos. How are you, Marcia? It is chaos. <laughs> it's always chaos where I am. I was going to ask, why are you the greatest of all time? Oh, I'm curious. Great question. question. We actually yes. have a thing where we're not really meant to speak about our professional work lives. Um, and there are punishments oh. associated with that. But actually, do you know what? It's Friday and it's almost the weekend. <laughs> I asked. It's my, yeah, 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 it's you, my fault. You've asked the question, Nick. Go. Yeah. I don't think we've worked with any of your businesses, but we are the best agency in the world, Marcia. Simple as that. But anyway, <laughs> what a start. I'm excited. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming on the, the show. Um, as we kind of mentioned to you, and I know you really don't want to speak about Saskatchewan, but I love really getting into an understanding mm-hmm. where people are from in North America and Canada. Um, and I think for the listeners at home, even if it bores you, We'd love to touch upon it a little bit because you're you're from a Polish farmer family, um, and Saskatchewan yes. has. I'll keep it snappy. Keep it snappy. I'll keep it snappy. But yeah, could you tell us a little bit yeah. about, I guess, where you're from and that kind of like early life stage? Sure. I was born in a very small town called Outlook, Saskatchewan. 
1968. Outlook had probably about 1,600 people at the time. It's the middle of the Saskatchewan prairies, about 60 miles from Saskatoon, which is the second biggest city in Saskatchewan. For probably six to seven months a year, it would be minus 30 to minus 40 degrees Celsius there. Summers are beautiful. Some people will say it's kind of like the Russian steppes because you've got this beautiful river running through it. Um, But it was it was cold and hard. Um, my parents and I had two older sisters uh, moved us all to Calgary, which was a booming oil town when I was probably two or three years old. So I spent um, from when I was two till about 11 in Calgary, which was a little bit more, you know, a, a little more cosmopolitan, but not. Mm-hmm. That was then a cowboy town, right? So I guess like old Dallas or old Houston that or wannabe Houston or Dallas. But Again, when I was growing up, there were probably 500,000 people, now much, much bigger. And then when my father died, I think I was 11 or 12 years old, we moved back to Outlook because that's where my mom had most of her family and then ended up moving to Saskatoon, which was a small city, probably at the time about 100,000 people. Again, you know, not that cosmopolitan, a little bit um, underwhelming in terms of intellectual stimulation or cultural stimulation, but you make do with it. And um, and so I, I found hobbies and I found things to keep me interested. Good enough? Can we, can we no, that was, that was perfect. Yeah, that was I really Thank enjoyed you. that. I'm done now. That's me done for the pod. <laughs> yeah, let's wrap up, up there. <laughs> okay. um, where are you right now, Marcia? Because you, you live in Switzerland now, right? I do live in Switzerland. I have for about nine years. But we spend our summers, well, not the entire summer. We generally spend August in the south of France in a farm that I have in Provence. Oh, so, so nice. I am where, here where, in Provence. Where in Provence? Working in August. Where, whereabouts? Well, where have you been? So I was, and I'm going to sound like a, 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 a Tom, bleep that out, um, f- for the purposes. Every week, every week. I swear far too much, but last summer I was in San Tropez, um, uh, just just up the road from the San Tropez town. But I've been around, I've been to Aix. My dad's really into wine, Aix-en-Provence. My dad's super into wine, so I've been to yeah, yeah. quite a lot of the south of France. Um, I'm in um, Saint-Rémy-de-Provence. Oh, nice. Which is near Avignon, so it's more near Arles, you know, where the old Romans, like all the old Roman ruins and the old Roman roads, and yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. beautiful. I'm not going to say... It is actually land of um, Peter Mayle's book, which was A Year in Provence. Right. And of course, that's probably before your time. You guys probably weren't born. But if you well, read that book, you totally now, get an now. understanding of, you know. My 30th, my 30th birthday is coming what? up. But I, you're right. I probably definitely wasn't born then. I was about. <laughs> I don't think you no, were born then. I was, I was about to start singing. No, I could look up like. Sulapon d'Avignon, which is that song, right? D'Avignon? Yeah. That's pont. Like pont, Sur like bridge. le pont. Yeah, sorry. My French accent's so Sing yeah, it for us, Will. Pont. Even I know that yes. song. Sing it for us. No, I'm not going to do it. Uh, uh, that's, that's a classic. 1989. 1989, he wrote a year. Oh, God, one year out. I was born in the same year. I think I was alive. <laughs> Told you. But go, Told you. Going, anyway. going back to um, uh, Canada and, 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 and kind of the start of your life, how on earth does someone from that background end up, I think, initially moving to New York, right, was the... The, the, the first the first major the, plan. the first major yeah. city you lived in was that the plan always was it always did you always have this idea that I really want to go live in um the big city the big apple or, or was it because we always have this one where a lot of the, our guests never really wanted if they're expats from Europe they were never it was never in their grand plan to move to New York it just happened they just lucked out 
they want they won this great lifestyle and they won this life in America. And people from America, not that many had aspirations of like starting their life in New York and being super successful. How yeah, how did that happen? How did that work for you? Well, okay, so when I was a teenager, my sister ended up moving to New York for work. And um, one summer, I think my mother decided that we would all go and visit her because we'd actually never been on airplanes before. And we would always do the same thing for our summer holidays, which is kind of hang out somewhere in in Canada. Saskatchewan. Yeah, actually like horseback in British Columbia or something like that. We weren't um, particularly well off, especially after my dad died. So it was like a big deal to go to New York. So we went and we were all staying with my sister in her apartment. And I remember being there, I think I was probably 15 at the time, or 16 maybe, and or about to be 16. And it was so fun because all you really needed was, you know, a bagel and you could wander around and the nightclubs were great, even though I shouldn't have been in them. And just like seeing so many different people from so many different places, your entertainment at that time, because New York was still kind of dirty and probably dangerous. Mm. It was just walking around and seeing everything that was going on. You didn't need money. You just needed a roof over your head and like enough carbs to get through the day. (laughs) And, you know, when you're a teenager, you have a slice of pizza. That's a dollar and a bagel, which would be like 25 cents. You didn't need a a big budget. It's like a film set. When my mother went home, she, you know, she went home and my other sister went home and I wanted to stay. So I stayed for the rest of the summer. Lovely. And thought, you know what, I really love it here. When I graduate from high school, I've got to get back here somehow. So I guess my goal was to get back to New York somehow. And so I, um, at the time, I think going into grade 11 or 12, I realized that if I could get accepted, or my sister who was living in New York told me, if you can get accepted to Columbia University, I'll pay you for your tuition. So I decided, okay, well, I had to figure out how to get accepted to Columbia University. In fact, not very many people from my family had ever even been to university. So I did some research. At that time, of course, there was no internet, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to figure out, like, well, how do you get accepted to Columbia? So I think, you know, I probably did correspondence Yeah, by I was going to say, do you write a letter? They said you have to write the SAT. I, wrote, I think I wrote a letter. I got a letter back. They said you got to write the SAT and you got to do this and that and the other thing. Send in this, you know, your grades. I wrote the SAT, not knowing, you know, now people prepare for the SAT, right? Like mm-hmm. you study for that thing and you, I think I went out the night before and just showed up at the SAT <laughs> exam. And, um, and I managed to get, I had quite decent grades when I was in high school. So I managed to get accepted and my SAT scores were good. And so I got the letter back saying, yes, you can come to Columbia. So I decided to then, you know, get back into New York and figure out how, you know, my sister was going to help me with the tuition. And then unfortunately she had some um, issues that year with, you know, tax audits and not that she had done anything wrong. We don't need to go into that. She was a young girl. (laughs) The numbers didn't add up. The numbers didn't add up. Well, she was like 19 (laughs) at the time, right? And I was, or no, maybe she was 21. So it's not, what she just hadn't done her if you don't mind me asking what was she doing where she could afford to take on an american-sized student loan and help you with the tuition oh she was a model right makes sense that reminds me of when i was 19 she was doing well yeah you were also a model correct yeah and you know she got some big jobs and so she had like lots of money flowing in but not necessarily balancing it like who knows how to deal with that kind of money when you're... 19 and living in New York, I don't. would just spend it all and not... Or 21. Yeah, 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 you just would. You just could spend it on having fun. So... 
What? Yeah, you would. You wouldn't know you have to save. And then when you go over a certain threshold, it's like 50% tax also, or whatever it is. She, she can't yeah. just eat a bagel and a dollar slice if she's a model, can she? No, she can't have any carbs Can't have whatsoever. any carbs. So how do you even afford to eat in New York? No, she was like, tuna sashimi is expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how you stay, you know, <laughs> that's how you thin say... enough to fit into all of those size two clothes. Yeah, that's where I've been you going see, wrong. Trying to make a balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> what was the degree yeah. you did at um, college at, at Columbia? Yeah, so, so, so I did not make it there. Okay. Sorry, so, I jumped the gun. Eventually, because it's okay. I moved to New York, right? Then, the, like, the Columbia thing, I had to uh, give up my acceptance. Because I couldn't get the money together. Because then I was, um, I was an expat, right? And they were not giving. By the time I realized I didn't have the money for the tuition, I, um, it was too late for me as a Canadian to apply for an international student loan. Got it. So right. at that point, in order to not have to go back to Saskatoon, which I did not want to do, I decided, okay, I just got to get some part-time jobs here and start working because I don't want to go back. I got to pay to live. And eventually I'll save up enough money to go to university, but I don't want to go home. And so I just started. So when I was a teenager, in addition to like doing okay in school in Canada, I was a bodybuilder, right? A body, long a story, bodybuilder. Long story, long, <laughs> yeah, long story. My sister, my other sister had a boyfriend whose boyfriend or whose brother owned a gym. And so she, he said, you should come to the gym. I went to the gym, had this hobby of, you know, bodybuilding when I was in high school. So I ended up moving to New York and I had like quite this sort of Olympian physique. I know you can see that about me right now. <laughs> you know, look at the muscles. No, no, like, no, no comment, but definitely don't. No comment. It doesn't, yeah. I do, it doesn't scream bodybuilder, yeah. does it? Like being honest. No. <laughs> No. I'd agree. I'd yeah. agree. So anyway, I had muscles on muscles and, and muscles. And so I decided, hey, look, I'll just, I'm going to find a gym that I can go to. That was sort of my first goal was like, I got to find a gym that I can somehow make enough money to pay for a gym membership. And so I got this gym membership at this place in New York called Better Bodies, which had all these and it was great it name. Was kind of the time, right? It was a great name. But everybody. Am I correct? There were lots of celebrities working out there, is that right? Tons. Oh. Jean Claude Van Damme. We, oh, Gladys we Portuguese. love a celeb Van Damme. anecdote. You met, you've met Jean Claude Van Damme. Love Van Damme. Yeah, who, everybody yeah, met Jean Claude Van Damme. Someone that was, like... was grown up on a farm in Saskatchewan, Canada doesn't meet oh, no. Jean Claude Van Damme. No, I tell you, I have like the stories I could tell you. It's really very yeah, interesting because I like. always say, do you, well, have you ever guys? Have you seen um, Forrest Gump? No, never Love seen it. it. Of course, yeah. of course, we have. I've got a good story okay, about okay. Forrest Gump. Uh, when you're done, Marcy, I am like the like my life is a bit like Forrest Gump. You know how he like you know there's a Cuban Missile Crisis and somehow he gets right. there was the Nixon thing and the this and and he ends up kind of everywhere. I have kind of one of those stories where it's like yeah, of course I trained at the same gym as Jean Claude Van Damme and then I used to. Be, personal trainer to like all these celebrities. And then after that, I started, you know, I, I've had my picture taken by Irving Penn because and Raymond Meyer, who was another like very famous still life photographer, because I kind of like happen into all of these things. It's very random. But you didn't, but you didn't have, you didn't have rickets and you didn't work on a shrimp boat. No, no, not yet. Not yet. But like, <laughs> Marcia, I met I met Tom Hanks once oh. uh, on the Finchley Road in London, which is not the nicest road. 
I was 11, my mum was driving, stopped at a red light, a limo pulled up next to us, and uh, we looked in the window, we were trying to see who it was. The window comes down, and it's this guy, we have no idea who he was, and it's Tom Hanks, and he's, Forrest Gump had just come out. Oh, wow. And he says to my mum, my mama always said, laugh is laugh, no. a box of chuck. Oh, my God. To my mum, yes, out the car. She couldn't believe it. She had a meltdown. Uh, we had no idea who he was. And we went straight to the video shop, rented the film. And then you oh were like, gosh, oh my God. That's so great. No one Nick, believes one that story. Anecdote. This gives me faith so that if good. we were to do an episode <laughs> just us, we've actually got some you shit to talk something. about. So what was Van Damme like? Well, you know, muscular. <laughs> but you were as well. So, you know, it's just normal. I was, just I was, of, I was. Just a couple of muscular yeah. people in a gym. Yeah, it was everybody in there was yeah, muscular. I was going to say, but you, yeah. but you didn't even blink twice. No. So anyway, that's how I made money. I ended up being one of the very first personal trainers in New York because I went into this gym. I was working out and I didn't have the like the muscle muscle. I looked more like an Olympic athlete, kind of muscular, but not big and bulky. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was like a natural bodybuilder, not a steroid bodybuilder. So at the time, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of like guys in the fashion industry who I guess wanted more like my physique than Jean-Claude Van Damme's physique. They wanted to look muscular, but they could still fit into clothes. So I would be approached by all these people in the fashion industry or photographers Mm -hmm. or directors or whatever, if I could help them get their body to look more like mine. Got it. (laughs) So they would pay me $15 an hour and I would put them through their paces. And I was a personal trainer. So I developed this personal training business and ended up with everybody from like Carrie Fisher right to Paul Simon. Wow. I used to train John Casablancas who was the, the modeling, you know, disgrace the list modeling is agent. It's just so you know. long. All these people. It's so long. All these people. Is this what dog pound is like now? What's what's, what's dog, dog pound like? Dog pound is a celebrity gym in New York where oh, lots oh, of right. Maybe it's just more like modely types, but it seems like I the, can we go? Yeah, can I haven't we, had time to go. Can we go there, Nick? Uh, or do we I think there might be someone on the door that might prevent us from getting right, in. We could try. Right. You could say okay. you know me. <laughs> yes. And like me yes. And you are yes, yes, yes. Definitely, yes. probably still have enough currency in New York to do that. <laughs> I think. Probably, I think yeah. so. I think so too. Yeah. 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 I mean, and if it's hmm. only, it's probably. I'm assuming it's probably not fifteen dollars an hour there. Um, I'd imagine it's going to be no, probably, probably one hundred and fifty, if not more. Um, probably. But Nick, if we get some sponsors for the pod, can is that? Can we spend the money on that? Yeah, I, yeah think, done. I think so. Okay. It'll give you more to talk cool. about. It's actually well, exactly. research. It's research. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's research. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so... So then what, what was the next stage, Marcy? You you got this um, business, personal training, and then uh, what happened Yeah, after? so I was just trying to save money so I could start, you know, the goal was, okay, I got to get back to university at some point. Let me just start to be a personal trainer, pay my rent. Maybe I can save up enough money to get back to university. And so I tried to do that but it was kind of tough because personal training it was exhausting right mm-hmm. you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning to get all the people who want to work out before you go to work mm-hmm. or before they go to work and then you got people after five o'clock or six o'clock at night and you're kind of training people until 11 o'clock at night and then you got so you, then you have this gap in the middle of the day pizza. which no one works out in the middle of the day yeah yeah or walk Walking you know kind of walk everywhere yeah. yeah or so then i decided okay i've got to I gotta find something else to do that isn't gonna be so exhausting. And I tried personal training and then taking like part-time NYU courses. That was, I would fall asleep in my classes. That was so tired. <laughs> so then I thought I've gotta get something that I can actually do that isn't so tiring, that I can kind of maintain while all of this, you know, 
while paying or starting to pay for university classes. And so I learned how to do facials. But it was also because my face was in a really disastrous state. Because you were a PT and, so, and you're sweating all day and you were working awful hours, eating all badly. Wow. Yeah. Putting those oils on you as well, I imagine. Is that a thing? Well, Nick, she's not doing competition bodybuilding, mate. She's not a muscle beast. What is that stuff? Beast. Why does it make you go because orange? Because that's the... You're trying to oh, look no, like that, a... That, that was the old kind of self-tan. You're trying to look like a bronze bust, aren't you? Because you want to get... I'm just... For the purpose of the, of the tape, I'm showing my yeah, tricep. Can, oh, my God. Look, look at, that. at that. That's a big that's tricep. That's like a single yeah. tricep. Yeah, it's decent, guys. Yeah. What, what, what should he... What's the other kind of tricep? There are three. That's why it's a tri. Oh, shit. There should be two more. So I've only got one. (laughs) You've done us there. Yeah. (laughs) You've done us there. Great. Good. good, (laughs) We didn't even know about two. Just just do do some more dips. I'm You know, push up with one kind of tricep. I'm trying. Dips, work another kind of tricep. You can do these. You can do those. Right. You know, there's a lot of things. Should we just do a live workout Yeah, I think we could. You know, I could be like Dr. Joe. Or no, Joe, what's his name? Joe Wicks. Yeah, Joe that, you know, or you can take over for him. if I yeah. Venmo you $15, will you give me mm-hmm. a personal PT Zoom post-podcast? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I think yeah. you get you get 10 seconds. I just get a slap instead, I'd imagine. Anyway. Yeah, I gotta meet somebody <laughs> after this for another Zoom. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But sure, if sure. things go badly for me, I'll take you up on okay, that. Okay, in Provence. Sounds okay. good. Sounds good to me. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So, what were we talking about? So, how did I get? So, your face wasn't in a great state. No, wasn't. So, So I learned how to do facials, and I took skincare anatomy, physiology, and you know, skincare um, in terms of like chemistry. So, raw ingredient chemistry. Took a bunch of courses in that. Started to do facials on my personal training clients, right? Who trusted me to do that? What people those people were. Yeah. I know. I am forever in gratitude of the people who let me practice on them and saw that I had like a dream to do something different and mm-hmm. actually let me use them as guinea pigs. That is kindness. Was it, was it, um, uh, men and women? Was it, was it blokes? Cause I, I, as a bloke, I wouldn't mind if someone was trying to get a bit of training and was like, I don't really know how to do this. I'd be like, well, I haven't got that much to lose because society is built such that like, it doesn't really matter what my face looks like because I'm not a woman and <laughs> you know, we have a sexist society. So I would. I mostly, mostly I had female clients when I was a personal trainer. I had a few men, but not that many. And they were all these sort of high powered guys and I probably wouldn't have given them a facial anyway. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But but you must have been good at it. It was the women who let me. And you must be good at it. Well, I guess I got good at it. Yeah, Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I try and be good at everything I do. Take practice, Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours. You know, if you so, really put your heart and soul into it, you're good at it. So, yeah. And then you, you could, develop a clientele. So, eventually, over some years, I developed more facial clients than the personal training clients. And then that was that. So. Perfect. And, and Blit, that, Bliss was born out of that. Is that right? And it, Not really. I mean, I had... Nick, she don't want to talk well, about Bliss, Bliss mate. She yes. don't want to talk about no, that. No, that's okay. So, I'll give you a little snap, a snip, a snip snapshot, right? So, I did <laughs> facials you. in my East village apartment on the floor that's where i am then where uh i'm on clinton, Which... and, R- clinton and rivington so technically oh, lower so east side actually, yeah you're lower east but side. i woke I up this, i woke up this morning and before don't like be shocked it's not a one night stand my girlfriend we don't currently live together but she lives on fifth between a and b so yeah, more pro- well. proper east village lovely part of the world great bar yeah. called sophie's that unfortunately hasn't reopened since the pandemic, oh. but really famous bar from like decades what, old. Is there I think. still a Benny's Burritos on like Seventh and A? Uh, 
don't know. It's great. Don't know. Don't know. Can, yeah, can I mean, you. everything changed so quickly there anyway, but there were some great Polish coffee shops. And, anyway. Yeah, well, there's a place and called then, Veselka, which yeah, is... Yeah, Veselka's a, still yeah, there? Still there. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Which is a yeah. Ukrainian pierogi and yeah. borscht place, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I'm a bit, I'm a bit cultured, there. Nick. I know a bit about culture, and you know. Well, I'm very so where, where was the? What were the cross streets for the apartment where you were uh, doing Facebook? I was on eight between B and C. Okay, I've run along you that have to road. Cross, yeah, you yeah. got across Tompkins Square Park. You know, yeah, like back which then, is Tompkins not Square very Park was nice, I'd imagine. Yeah, it wasn't. There were a lot of rats and a lot of tents. I can tell you now. There's still a huge rat infestation. See rats every day when I'm walking. Kelsey's sure. got a. Because it's also got since um, the lockdown, actually. Oh, I'm sure they must be taking over. Yeah, they are taking right? over. So rats yeah. everywhere. Thompson Square Park, lovely in the summer because there's a little jazz musician in there playing jazz. But then also yeah. just like puts into contrast like how bad the income disparities in York and how many homeless people are there are and and how the, yeah. the government yeah. hasn't and it'll just found a way to deal with worse. it. Exactly, no. especially at a time like this. But anyway, we're not here to talk about politics yeah. and how angry you are about those sorts of things. So you do, on the uh, floor of this apartment a yeah. and b eighth yes um, i would do facials now how did i get it. these facial clients some of them were personal training clients and then this is really a long story and we could go on for hours but um because we've got 30 I was minutes personal, left i know that's why i'm like you really want to talk about the past because yeah, it's going to take a long time we'll go straight to we'll go straight to beauty pie after okay this so i did facials on the apartment floor and i had a lot of people from the modeling industry because a my sister was a model and her friends were models and then there were bookers modeling you know agents who would send me all the girls who had bad skin and then they would come and then everybody you know so i kind of got into this oh my god i was the person who you would send any model who had a problem with their skin too because i could fix their face Wow. And then I got a little studio apart, a little studio on um let's see it was Spring and Lafayette. I used to in live East there. East Bank building. In I that used... building? Well, not in that building. I which, lived which corner? for 3 months between um must have been Spring and Lafayette. Well, no, Spring and Broadway where the Nike store is. Um oh, see, I, I lived on, on 99 Spring Street was the Okay, yeah, yeah. Was the I number. Know it. So like yeah. one block away. Yeah. I, I mean, I said yes. I lived there. I was there uh, renting a spare room for a couple of months and it was very expensive. That's but lo- living. Lovely part of the yes, world. That's living. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was living. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, that was my first little place. And then they wow. turned that building into a condo. But then I rented a bigger space on Prince and Broadway. And I had a place called Let's Face It. So it was a, just a facial place. And we got very, very busy over, you know, two, three year period. It wasn't like overnight, right? Nothing is overnight. But over a three year period, we got so busy that we had been booked out for 18 months in advance. You could not get in to get a facial. I had a staff of about seven or eight people. We were on rotating shifts. We were open six days a week, nine o'clock till nine o'clock. It was so busy. So then I had to get a bigger place. That was bliss. Built it out, opened it up. Suddenly it was booked for, you know, 18 months in advance, 10 rooms bigger staff, probably 40 people doing rotating shifts. So wow. it was kind of like we'd build it and then it would just fill up and then we'd build a bigger one and it would just fill up. And so eventually it was really a hot place. The treatments were fun. We had a great product line. We had a catalog back in the days of catalogs, eventually went online and you know sent out catalogs that people would also order on the website. And it was mm-hmm. very early on, like these were like the year 2000. I had a website we were selling beauty pro- products mm-hmm. off of mm-hmm. and, and also with that catalog business. So it was very, very, you know, pioneering in terms of internet um, business. And then I sold that business to LVMH or a majority of it actually in 1999. 
And then after 2001, where you had September 11th and LVMH divested of most of their non-core stuff. Mm -hmm. And this was before Sephora was really big and they were actually building brands. Um, Starwood Hotels and Resorts bought Bliss from LVMH. So I've basically sold companies to LVMH. I've sold to Starwood Hotels and Resorts. I've sold to Walgreens Boots Alliance, which was Soap and Glory, my last business. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I have a footwear business, which is called Fitflop. My mum's got I've a pair got of um, Fitflops. Only one? Two pairs, maybe. Well, I'm shocked. Yeah, I think Most it's one. People, they're, they're very nice. Yeah, I've actually, she's got much smaller feet than me. Um, but and you I, wear them but anyway? I, I have put them up yeah, when I was back living in you know the UK and still living at home. Yeah. I'd be like, these uh, look really comfortable. And I think she bought them for like... They're so comfortable. But it's the comfort factor versus also they're quite pretty. And yeah, they're, they're not quite bad. a sassy pair of kind of flip-flops, right? Um, yeah. And they were, yeah, they kind of like put your feet in the right posture. Yeah, and you feel you never feel tired. Exactly. You, you can wear them she'd and wear just them. like walk around for she, hours she, and never be tired. She'd always wear them when she came up to London to visit me when I was living there. And she'd be like, gotta have my, gotta have my flip-flops. And, yeah. then I, and then I took her to Nike town and bought her a pair of trainers. Because they're like, you know, I, you can't wear open-toed sandals walking around London, can you? We have trainers. Do you? Yes. Okay, I'll tell her. I'm what? Oh, you were doing so well, Will. Yeah. Oh, God. We have trainers. Well, let's get my mum on. Let's call my mum up. See if she's got a pair. She may have a pair. We, we have a pair of trainers called the Rally, and they're so amazing. Okay. I mean, amazing. They're well, so, they're the same kind of comfort as as the sandals. Christmas right? is but only a hundred and thirty something days away. So, if you're really nice, I'll get you a friends and family code. <gasps> Ooh, I'll hold you to that. Okay. Okay. Nice. <laughs> It's a so, Marcia, just to, with, with, with time in mind, Sorry, Nick. Um, I know Will does like to ramble on. Mm. So, you, in between um, the kind of phase we've discussed most of the time, you then set up Soap and Glory and Fit Flop and Sofa Duper. And uh, now your primary focus is Beauty Pie, is that right? It is. And I guess what you've learned is that the beauty industry has many faults. Oh, God, and tell me about lots it. of the margins have to be pushed up or lots of the costs have to be pushed up because of all these additional costs and middlemen etc and so beauty pie is a sort of unbranded membership kind of, program kind of. It's, a, can... it's a buyer's club you tell us about it it's a buyer's club so what i realized after many many years working in the beauty industry i love making brands and i love sourcing product and i love formulating product especially the good stuff right because it's really exciting as mm. you know it's sort of more exciting to drive a ferrari than to drive you know Rena Cleo. Der- yeah, I won't be derogatory about anything because actually some little cars are really fun to drive. But What car do you drive, Marcia? Well, actually, do I have to say? Is it a Ferrari? No. <laughs> it's a Ferrari. It's a Ferrari no, no. and we're on our way to No, Provence. no, no. You know what? The thing is, I actually had an Audi A2, which is that bubble one that's aluminum for about 20 oh, years yeah. because it's yeah. a real design piece and they're super light and it's like driving a toy. And then my husband decided, oh, you need a new car. But what that means is I want a new car. I'm going to buy it and say it's yours and then I'll use it all the time. So I do have like a, I have something that is a more expensive car, but I actually end up now because we sort of retired the Audi A2 because it's so old. And then we bought a very small car. We found on the internet called an Op from Volkswagen for our housekeeper nanny who's lived with us for 15 years for her 50th birthday. And she doesn't drive it, so I usually end up driving that. But it's like a nothing. It's like a toy. But I have a Porsche. What do you call it? McCann. 
You know, the four seat, yeah, five seat. I'm not the, a car the, guy, the, but that SUV sounds nice. version of it. It's a small SUV. Yeah, light. But, I think they call it a light SUV. Yeah. Again, but also I would don't know never go out and buy that. I bought it. I, you know, it was like, oh, my husband bought it and then said, oh, here, look, I got, I ordered you this car. So I do use that for my girlfriend bought me a travel yoga mat for my birthday for the same reason. So she could steal it, which shows the differences in terms of the presents we're buying each other versus you and your partner, Marcia. I would probably use the travel yoga mat more. I think I've got... <laughs> I'm actually really happy with it. Mate, that's I love a travel pre- yoga that's, mat. That's not about parents. Uh, a pres- uh, not about parents. Not about present. I got <laughs> I got personalized AirPods for my birthday. Oh, which that's very good. Which was life-changing. I mean, you're wearing the exact pair I have, and that yeah, was... Yeah. Uh, what were we doing before airpods when we went to the gym when you're a pt and probably had a a sony walkman and that like wrap around headset trying to jog on the treadmill holding the walkman so the the spinning there really should be no excuse for me not having three tricep muscles when there's not that to prevent Mm -hmm. me from doing it right (laughs) but anyway sorry we've massive digressed Back beauty to, pie. Back to, yes, to beauty pie. Back you're to saying beauty pie. that it's so, like you love uh, finding great products. Uh, I love great. I love the quality stuff. It's like, you know, okay. What you what you realize after you've worked in the beauty industry for a long time is that if you have a brand, right? You own a brand. Mm. What you're trying to do is make a ten percent profit, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, if you pay ten dollars for something, you have to do a lot of things to make $10 back, right? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of trying to double your money. That's the beauty industry. Now, in order to do that, you have to mark the product up and retail it for 10 times its actual cost of goods because you have mm-hmm. to pay for all of these things, celebrity marketing, right? Your crazy overhead, like the corporate overheads, all the training, the staff, the teams that have to travel around, the free samples that you give to the retailer, the, I mean, there's all of these layers of cost. The retailer will then also take about 60% margin. So you have all these layers of cost, and then on top of that, you have Mm -hmm. your retailer cost. So the retailer will sell a cream for $100 plus sales tax. They'll take 60 of that, and in order to then afford all your stuff, your overheads, your free samples to the retailer, everything, your marketing, your blah, blah, blah. You have to, you have to sell it to the retailer for 40 for them to charge a hundred. And then you have to make it for like somewhere between eight and 10 to pay your bills. Mm. And then maybe if you're lucky, you make 10. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, it's a broken system, right? For the consumer, it's a completely broken system because you're the one that loses out. $80 extra. Yeah. So that your company can make 10 by paying 10. Yeah, yeah. So, so consumers shouldn't like thought, brands, shouldn't like brands that invest a shitload of money in marketing, celebrity mark, endorsement. Well, they, they're it, paying but they, for it. But they, yeah, because they're paying for it. It just makes their product more expensive. So it's basically like Be- yeah. Beauty Pie is uh, an angel investment model in in essence, right? So you're taking what like a member. So like you're taking a membership oh, fee. Oh, kind, yeah, kind yeah, you're of. You're taking a membership except, fee. Yeah. And then you're investing into. I guess you're not investing into like individual businesses to go and make the product, or are you? Or is it centralized? No, you, no it's more about sourcing the best products. Yeah, and we then source the best products. Right, 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 yeah. right, 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 right. So also, what a lot of people don't know about the beauty industry is that very few brands own their own labs. Most mm. brands go and buy mm-hmm. from third-party manufacturers. And these third-party manufacturers all have labs and chemists, and they also have 
stock product. So they'll have library products that are really good bestsellers for them. So, you know, you'll have a, an eyeshadow crayon that is a waterproof, long wear, fabulous formula eyeshadow crayon. They already own it in 45 colors. You can go and just buy that eyeshadow crayon and tell them which kind of packaging you want on it, what color that packaging should be, and where you want your brand stamped. Mm. And, and then you give them the carton artwork and they just make it for you. Mm -mm. And they might sell it to you finished in the carton for $4. And you would then end up going and selling it at retail for somewhere between 40 and 60. Mm -hmm. That's normal, mm -hmm. but everyone can buy that same eyeshadow stick. It mm -hmm. doesn't even belong to the brand. Now, once in a while, a brand will go and say they have a special ingredient, it's that, or they'll go and I formulate, because I know how to formulate, I go and actually formulate our skincare from the ground up using the best texture that the lab has, and I'll use the newest ingredients at the high levels that, that, that actually do something. But a lot of that actually doesn't happen. So. Most of us are using the same elite third, in the luxury industry, we use these elite third party factories and they manufacture for us and then we just buy from them. So a lot of us in cosmetics use exactly the same formulas or we tweak and in skincare you build what you want, but most skincare, you know, the markups are between like a thousand and two thousand percent. Insane. So that's what people don't know about the beauty industry. They don't know that we're all using these same people to manufacture our stuff. But that's the same in uh, lots of um, consumer packaged goods businesses. I don't think so much consumer packaged foods, but um, a little birdie has told me recently, I, I know a couple of people in the the direct-to-consumer space in, in America, where it's like yeah. even more prevalent in the UK, and they're, they're, they're pretty well connected. And I was hearing reasons about, um, reasons why Casper's IPO was such an absolutely massive flop and the value of the business is so low. Well, it's things like the fact that they don't own the, 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 the mattress, own the mattress and the mattress is no. just slapping a label. And you know, there's like four or 500 different types of mattress in the box brands. All Casper figured out how to do was how to turn a normal mattress that was being told, sold in a conventional way, how to wrap it up and put it in a box, which yeah. then... And they sold the science behind yeah. it, which oh. is also and misleading know, because it's not and your And you know what the guy, the guy, I forget that his name escapes me, the founder of Casper doesn't even sleep on a Casper. He's, oh, that's bad. He sleeps on an eight... eight I, I mean, know one of the if you were going to ask me should, to look in my makeup bag, I think it's you will all see it's all beauty, beauty You've got to practice what you preach. I think that is a telling yeah. sign of whether the business is actually, uh, you know... A, a, oh, man, a, if you're not going to buy it, don't sell it. Exactly. That's my... It's like number one, right? It's like, if you won't buy it yourself for what you're selling it for, just Correct. go home. Go Correct. home. Shut down. Correct. Because if you don't love it, and if it's not the best thing, and you don't automatically opt for that then why should anybody else C can right? I, oh so marcia what, i just on, have one on. before you ask serious questions you know i'm not quite you know you ask the ones <laughs> that are actually interesting i ask the ones because i'm just interested so i see a lot of brands at the moment on platforms like instagram i don't know why they're targeting me they've obviously got extremely bad agencies and should be working with someone like jungle creations or goats yes obviously um, because their targeting is all wrong across all social um, but i'm getting hit with a lot of beauty and cosmetic ads at the moment that are talking about things like truffle oil in beauty products i mean it's all bullshit right is it all a gimmick or usually so usually what you'll do is you'll go and find some trendy ingredient 
right? Yeah. And that's what the, the beauty industry, they'll find some trendy ingredient and then they'll make a story like they're the only horse ones who placenta. has the, horse yeah, placenta. that yes. kind of stuff. Yes. Horse yes, placenta, <laughs> truffle oil, like All the classics. whatever it is. And then they make a story around it, right? And then, you know, shea butter, that, I mean, everybody can have that story, but I think L'Occitane started with shea butter or yeah. you'll have the, the cream that the nuns make in the monastery or it would be, I guess, the brothers make in the monastery yeah, 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 in yeah. wherever and they only do it when the grapes are harvested da 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 the, under the you know, full the fact moon is, blah, 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 blah. yeah yeah only every quarter when yeah, the seaweed yeah, yeah, yeah. is coming in or whatever it is but there are great ingredients out there right and there's a trade show where you can go and there are hundreds of ingredient suppliers who have actually done all this research on you know what happens if you harvest the buds of X kinds of trees at a certain time and take that stem cell. Mm -hmm. Is there something? And then they'll test that on skin over a period. And so there are, there's a whole bunch of companies whose whole you know reason for being is to find these natural ingredients that do something. But once they find them, right, and test them so that you've got clinically proven, you know, this level of this does that and you can prove it and claim it then they sell those ingredients to anybody who wants them because they can't generally sell just to one company. They wouldn't sell enough of it to make any money. Now, you can't have, there, there are two ways to kind of get around this and have exclusive uh, combinations. One is to patent an exclusive combination of ingredients if nobody's used it before, or you can prove that an exclusive combination of ingredients actually does something special then you can patent that, but that's a long process, expensive, right? Second one is to use so much of those ingredients that no other company would be able to afford to use them at those levels. And right. most companies doing skincare, they back, you know, it's like, we're gonna sell this for $100. Let's back out of it. We need to be able to make it for eight to make any money. Now, what can we take out so that we can bring this in under $8? Mm -hmm. Now, this is not how beauty pie works, which is why I love it so much, because I was in the beauty industry for you know, 25 years, really, having to do that, where you'd find this beautiful formula, and then you'd go, ah, but we have to sell it for $30. And in order to sell it for $30, we have to have it for three. And ah, but the, you know, even the fill, the stuff inside the tube, without the tube and the blah, 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 for 30 mils of that, this so you is $4.37. You end up with none of the active ingredient by the end of it, No, right? you, you just back out. You're just making it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to hit a price point, which is so wrong. It's like, you know what? This is supposed to be about the customer and what will be best for the customer. So by taking out the idea of trying to hit some kind of price point and just saying, hey, we're going to make the very best stuff and we're going to show you what it costs to make and bring to you on our website. And that's what it costs. And normally it would cost you this much, but it doesn't. It costs you this, the member's price. You can work backwards. Well, you can work forwards instead of being backwards. You can go to the lab and go, okay, we have a position like, you know, we don't have something for extremely sensitive skin. What are your five best ingredients? And what's the best base you've ever used that's the most calming, nourishing, best for barrier repair? Oh, okay, these are your five best ingredients. Great. At what level do we have to use those? And are there any that don't work well together? Oh, okay. So we can only use these four. Okay, great. We'll take those four. And you need this at 1%, that at 3%, that at 4%, that at 2%. Fine. Put it in there. That's how we work. Most are like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean it that's makes how sense. you should do it. It makes sense. 
And then it comes out and it's like, oh, that's $12.35. I mean, you can't, I'm telling you, the yeah, labs, wild. they still don't get it, right? Because they're like, but but that's really expensive. And we have one Japanese lab and they're amazing. I mean, the textures that come out of there are incredible. And we still have to tell them, like we'll go back to them and go, yeah, we see you have this ingredient in there, but what's the percentage? And they'll say, well, it's in at point one. And we'll say, but the data sheet says, oh, we've been working with them for a while, right? But you know the chemists are so drilled down in their heads mm -hmm. to make it cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. And they'll say, but the data sheet says 2%. And they'll say, oh, but that's gonna be expensive. And we'll say, well, how much? And they'll say, well, it's gonna be 80 cents more. And you're like, it's 80 cents. Of course <laughs> she will pay 80 cents. But because the normal cosmetics industry, you add 80 cents in, they're gonna charge an extra $16. Nobody wants to do that. So we just said like, forget the markup part. Let's just make the product really great. And that is what we do at Beauty Pie. Awesome. In terms of how you're advertising Beauty Pie then, yeah. presumably you, you still have a decent advertising budget, but because the lifetime value of a customer doesn't have to be as high because of everything we've discussed, you don't need to layer on as much of the sort of celebrity endorsements, et cetera. No, and you know what? Our lifetime value sits really interesting because I didn't even know about lifetime value. Before, when I started, I was just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not trying to do another brand where I have to, where the customer comes last because I have to jump through all these hoops to make enough margins for these retailers who will pick your pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, they do not care about you. They will pick your pocket. But they're getting their pockets. Not not to stand up for retailers, but they're getting retailers. their pockets. They're, yeah, but not standing up for me to stand up for them. I'm just making the point. They're getting their pockets picked by landlords because property prices in high footfall locations are so expensive. Yeah, great. So basically, well, ultimately, we're all, all pushing back it to, to a landlord. It all, and it all leads back to the guy that owns the, you know, the property company, which is yeah. ultimately always like some billionaire who is, you know, has his yacht in Saint-Tropez and is in Ramatel. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's you know, he doesn't need any more money. That's what I was saying. I'm like, do these celebrities really need any more of your money? Just, you know, so we, we basically, once somebody comes on board and starts shopping, it is like being a kid in a candy store, right? Mm. Cause you can just go in you're like, what this cost, this is, you know, you can get a big juicy box of beauty products oh. for not much. And every month we have limits, right? Cause we don't want people buying everything and then oh, we don't- Marcia, I think you're muted. How did I- Sorry, I think Tom muted all of us by mistake. Hey, you have to did he? Hang on. Tom. Tom, what? Okay. Did so, he just fall asleep on his laptop, Probably Tom? not. Maybe I'm so boring, he just went, clunk, he needs an ostrich fellow. So yeah, what were we talking about? I forgot. Oh, lifetime like, value. It is. Lifetime value. Life, yeah, so I didn't know about lifetime value. I just thought, you know what? The best part of my job always when I was in the beauty industry was going to these labs, you would leave with all these samples, they were free, right? And you knew they cost like nothing to make anyway. And I remember leaving one of these labs in Milan once, so they're outside of Milan, going through the Milan train station, walking into a Sephora, realizing that I had about $5,000 street value in this bag over my shoulder. Cause I had gone into the Sephora and seen stuff in this bag, my, you know, you the were samples. You like a beauty drug, drug totally mule. Like a, mule. Yeah, total beauty <laughs> drug mule. And then literally thinking like, you know what? Wouldn't it be great if every woman could come to the factory with me? Like how fun would that be for her? Mm -hmm. Like women would be so excited to be able to go in these back doors like I do and just get stuff and just, cause we all love 
lot of beauty products. It's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Totally. Correct. Totally. And that's exactly what beauty pie is. It's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory for beauty. There's your tagline. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing yeah. Done. done. We said, well, I, I hate to say <laughs> I've done some of this already. Kid in a candy store. It's like it, being it, a kid it. in a cosmetics candy store. It's about delivering the fairy tale, right? I want her to have the fairy tale. So you it's the fairy tale. And, and 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 we should all be able to have our fairy tales, shouldn't we? So I'm I'm all for it. Question is then, I imagine really um, the whole business model is based around word of mouth and the fact that if you can hook one woman and one beauty obsessed, personal care obsessed woman. Um, they're going to tell the story 10 times over to all their friends uh, all hours of the day, right? Because of the amount of money we, they're saving, the great product they're having. So word of mouth is huge here. Like you're going to have we so hope, many We hope so, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we have the send a friend program. So yeah. that if you do send a friend, you get a little extra extra shopping stretch each month. And so, yeah, it is word of mouth. Look, if, if people aren't going to talk about it, you know, Seth Godin, how he says, was it? Yeah, Purple Cow. Did you read it or were you not born then either? You were born mm -hmm. with purple cow. Okay, remember how he says, do so? <laughs> you weren't born. No, I think I might have read that. I think I might have read that. He says, whatever your idea is, make sure it's remarkable. And by remarkable, what he means yeah. is something that is easily remarked upon, right? Something, if you're sitting at a dinner party, you can go, oh my God, have you heard about beauty pie? It's like mm -hmm. going in the back door of 59 different, of you know, 59 of the best, the world's best beauty laboratories. And you can just buy stuff straight off the line at incredible prices mm. without all the markups and middlemen. Well, I told my girlfriend you were coming on last year. That's exactly what she said. She was like, oh my God, that's so exciting. All my friends are talking about it. So it's definitely making way. Great. We have to wrap up quite soon. We do. I have one <laughs> I'll question. Send, I'll send around... over boxes. Just give me addresses. Oh, please. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah. The, the, the question really is about um, most of your businesses you have founded, uh, but you haven't been CEO. Yes. Um, so I guess, what is your role at Beauty Pie and why, how does that actually work in practice? Like you're like a consultant, but how does it work? I think I'm, I kind of, I come up with the idea, right? And then I will, I'm really a stickler about the product and what, what the actual stuff that we're selling to people is really important to me. And that requires a lot of attention, especially when you launch as many products as we launch every year. And I want them to be exciting. I want the names of them to be exciting and fun. I want them to work well together. I want them to be beautifully packaged. And that takes a lot of time uh, to get the bones right, you know? And I think that, and also to get the voice of the business right. So when you're um, having a conversation with her, she feels uh, that she's respected. It's so important to not speak to the customer as if she's not intelligent and it can slip so easily. If you, you know, you're trying to sell her something, sell it fine. You're trying to sell her something, but you respect her intelligence, right? And it's tough to find people who, um, as you expand, can keep that level at, at a high bar. So I think it's more important for me to create the things and to keep that voice of the business and the community aspect and the respect for the customer at a really high bar. Lots of people can run operations. Mm. Lots of people can do finance. Lots of people can hire really well and better than I can, but not very many people can kind of have that customer empathy. I think that I, I have, and I know what she wants and I know why she likes it and I know what she doesn't like. So, and I hit the ball out of the park 
pretty consistently on that. So I'd, I'd like okay, to continue a, doing yeah, it. Fair thing to say. You definitely hit the ball up the park if we look back on your kind of history of businesses that you founded. And this one's no exception. But I, I guess, yeah, what it's a smart, I've never really thought of it like that, but you're one step removed from the business. So you can effectively be the consumer champion. Uh, because you can see the wood from the trees because you're not dealing with the everyday operations and the internal workings and the issues and the costs and all this sort of thing so you can really take the voice of the consumer on board because you're that like slightly removed from the day-to-day is that what you're yeah i'm saying? not so i mean i'm realistic about it i'm like super realistic but i'm also um i am the consumer champion and i'm also very i have a, a real belief that the decision that you make that's the right decision for the business long term and for growing your company is the one that increases customer trust always right and sometimes that's a long-term kind of thinking but Mm -hmm. you always think about her trusting you more you always make the right decision for her and then you always keep her or him or they longer right or them um and, and that's really how you have a huge success. It's not about the quarterly report. Mm. It's about how can you take this to a completely you know, different level for her and make her immediately opt for what you're offering because it's so much better than what everybody else is offering on so many different levels. And I don't think you can Great do that when you're, when you're in the middle of the, of the trenches all the time. You got to stay above. I just can't believe you found uh, you found such great CEOs that you've trusted over the years. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, one last thing to say just before we uh, before we wrap this up: um, What song or songs are top of your Spotify playlist right now, Marcia? And then Tom, the Podfather, will play us out with that song. Oh my God! Okay, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> okay, well, no, no, no. You know what it is? I can't write. I can't write very well when I listen to music. And I used to listen to so much music when I had the spas. I used to actually mix the music for the spas. And so the busier I am, unfortunately, the less music I listen to because my brain goes right off and I can't have music playing in the background or anything. George Lois said, Interesting. do not play music, right? While you're, while you're trying Creating. to write or come yeah, up with yeah. a tagline or something, because you won't. You won't be able to focus on, on what it is. So I'm trying to think, have you ever heard St. Paul and the Broken Bones? Yes. Okay, so incredible, yeah, yeah. incredible song called Is It Me? And it'll, okay. it'll make your hair stand on end when you listen to it. Um, and I'd say that would be top of my playlist at the moment. Excellent. Let, well, we All should right. be played out by that then. Perfect. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Marcia. Thanks for so much. Thank you, you for having amazing. me. Thank you for having me. I have to go now. It's been a pleasure. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Move to a new city. We're moving to New York. Okay, I should probably buy a place in the city first. You're here for business or pleasure? Hopefully both. <laughs>